Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by Subway. Come on down to Subway Keensburg at 304 Main Street in Keensburg, New Jersey for the grand opening September 10th where you can meet WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. where we will be offering buy one get one free on all six inch subs and flatbread sandwiches just a purchase of a 21 ounce drink is required so please don't forget to meet the former WWF tag team and intercontinental champion Tito Santana at the Subway Grand Opening September 10th from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. See you there. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Hey, everybody out there! This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion, the ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show. Now, I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things, but Chad and John, the two man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man, what's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie, Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by our good friends over at Subway on Saturday, September 10th at the brand new Subway in Keensburg, New Jersey, WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana will be live and in living color for a meet and greet with fans.
Call 732-787-2172 for more information. And remember, it's Saturday, September 10th in Keensburg, New Jersey at a brand new Subway location down there on the Jersey Shore. And again, call 732-787-2172 for more information on that amazing grand opening of Subway. And with all that being said, if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And John, I'm so excited to be joined by today, and I know you are as well, the Wildcat Chris Harris, otherwise known to some WWE fans as Braden Walker and an interview that I know you and I had an absolute ball uh, doing and conducting, but unfortunately had to uh, succumb to a little bit of some editing issues. So the first couple minutes of our interview did get cut off with the Wildcat Chris Harris, but nonetheless, it is still an almost one hour interview where we cover so many things from Chris Harris's career. And John, I know when we talk about the Wildcat Chris Harris, and we're going to get into Braden Walker, and I think that a lot of fans do want to hear about the Braden Walker saga, but Speaking specifically about Chris Harris's run in TNA, obviously, John, you're a huge TNA fan going all the way back to those asylum days in Nashville. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we can expect in this interview conducted with the Wildcat, Chris Harris? Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling, and this is easily one of our favorite episodes. There's no doubt about it. I had a lot of fun with this one. Of course, talking about the Wildcat, Chris Harris, and boy, do we touch a wide range of awesome topics. Obviously, you know, first and foremost, we do get into the Braden Walker stuff, of course, and he is very candid, and he's got some great opinions on that and kind of some unbelievable uh, opinions that I didn't know you know that he had on it but I think a lot of people I think most people would agree with him on that we just weren't sure where he was coming from with it but I think he pretty much nailed it right on the head he uh, hit the nail on the head on that one for sure but you know before we get into the whole Braden Walker thing you know you wanted me to talk a little bit about AMW and the Wildcat in the early days of TNA. And you think about those early days of TNA, I don't know how fondly they're remembered by a lot of people, but I absolutely loved it. I mean, it was something different. It was a whole different style. It was coming to you from the asylum down there in Tennessee. It was just the look of it was different. Everything was different. You know, some things obviously you probably didn't need the, the woman in the cages and stuff like that. But I, I get that. But the actual wrestling, the in-ring product was great. And it was a lot different than what you were getting from the WWF at that point. And you think about Jeff Jarrett. And you think about the X Division. You think about the Tag Team Division. And, and what they were really, really trying to do in TNA. And what they were trying to do was basically create something different a completely different product and what amw was able to do with that tag division was completely mold it and make it completely different and you were seeing some great in-ring action you're seeing some great x division action and of course meaning amw seeing some great tag team action it was kind of bringing back tag teams you hadn't really seen a lot of great tag teams uh they were kind of dying out at that point tag team division was definitely in the wwf was definitely struggling big time but tna 
I would say definitely brought it back. You think about the feud with the new church was unbelievable. Think about the feud with Triple X I loved. I loved even the Red Shirt Security feud with AMW. I mean, there's so many great matches and feuds that they had. Think about Simon and Swinger, the great feud that they had. Eventually, Team 3D would come in. They'd have a great feud with them. So it's just like anybody that, you know, you brought in as far as tag teams were concerned. You put them in there against AMW, you test them, see how good they were, and lo and behold, you would have an awesome match because James Storm is just an underrated great worker, the, the cowboy, if you will. And obviously, Wildcat Chris Harris was a great worker and a great wrestler. And you throw those two guys together, and you get nothing but tremendous matches. And it was like almost automatic. It's like Flyer back in the day, you know. Uh, yeah, let's throw this guy out there. Oh, he can wrestle a broom and have a good match. Or throw that, you know, anybody at these guys, it seemed like they were having a great match. And they brought in tag teams from everywhere. And we make a joke in the interview. And, and Chris was saying, that he didn't even remember, but I used to tape all the TNA wrestling uh, pay-per-views. And every week I would watch it. And every week, you know, I would learn it and, and definitely remember it and definitely study it and be a, be a mark, if you will, be a wrestling historian. And he was surprised about how many teams that he wrestled and, and how many teams that I actually remember. So that was a little funny part of the interview that I enjoyed that he's like, wow, you, you remember more than I did. Because I was just rattling off the teams off the top of my head. I was just thinking, I was like, oh, remember this team, this team you guys had a good match with. And it was just kind of easy back then for TNA thinking like, wow, we have these two guys, these two studs. If we just put them in a tag team match with anybody, it's pretty much going to be great and it's pretty much going to get over. So I just loved the TNA at that day, at that time, especially with the X Division, especially with the tag team division. Obviously, AMW at the forefront of that tag division. So many memorable matches, so many memorable feuds. And I even remember when they first came together, you didn't quite know. It was kind of a, a weird mix, you know, that oil and water. Like, is, are these guys going to mix? Storm is is this kind of character, and Harris is more the, the straight guy. You know, it's just, you didn't know if they were going to mesh together, and then, boom, they put them together as a tag team, and they were unbelievable. Obviously, they did have a storied history in Tennessee and on the indie scene, but a lot of the TNA fans didn't know that, didn't see that. So when they put them together, they were unsure, and I was unsure, and then boom, they be easily become one of the greatest tag teams of this past decade, and maybe, you know, one of the greatest tag teams, I wouldn't say of all time, but definitely the greatest tag team in the history of TNA, right up there with Beer Money, right up there with Team 3D, so you got... A lot of history there, a lot of lineage with the Wildcat Chris Harris, and it was great to be able to talk about AMW. America's Most Wanted is definitely one of the greatest teams that TNA has ever produced. They are definitely the highlight of the early days of TNA because they had such great matches. And the one team that you have to think about right off the top of your head is the chemistry and the matches and the few that they had with the Naturals, both Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens. And unfortunately, the part of the interview that did get cut uh, because of the audio issues that we were having was the reuniting of the four men and the two teams earlier this summer at an independent show where they kind of had their send off. They all got to say some very great emotional things to one another in front of a great house. And unfortunately, that did get cut because of the uh, technical issues that we had. But, you know, without a doubt, I can kind of reiterate what Chris said. And he just said how special it was to just kind of close the door on the feud uh, between the two teams and obviously you move forward with your career and they've done so much 
uh, the four of them, and especially James Storm, still continuing to do so many great things. Obviously, he was in NXT earlier this year, then he was back with TNA, and now, I guess, is he gone from TNA? Is it just a work as to what he did with Billy Corgan very recently on television? But you never know. But Chris Harris, I think, unfortunately, is going to get labeled as the guy who didn't make it in WWE with this awful character, Braden Walker. And obviously, we've mentioned it a couple times, and it's a damn shame that he has to be associated with this character in such a negative tone because had WWE gotten behind Chris Harris as Chris Harris as the Wildcat, I think they would have had a superstar on their hands at that point where they sent him to ECW and ECW was kind of trying to develop their own characters at the time obviously our good friend Kevin Thorne was one of the guys that came out of that development but he specifically cites R-Truth as also debuting at the same time and how they kind of went above and beyond to re-debut R-Truth to the WWE audience at that point in 2007 but you know you think about Chris Harris and when he did do the old jump he was a rare guy who did I call it the reverse jump who went from TNA to WWE because we were always seeing the guys who were getting released from WWE whether at that point it was the Dudleys or if it was Kurt Angle or if it was Christian these big names were going to TNA well Chris Harris was a hot free agent that came to the WWE And unfortunately, you know, you hear the old knock-knock, who's there, Braden Walker, and I'm going to knock your brains out. Um, The parody videos that have been on the net for a good almost 10 years, uh, one of the early staples of YouTube, the Braden Walker uh, Hall of Fame video. I mean, people can get creative with it, and Chris Harris does comment on all that. But, John, I think uh, when we think about Braden Walker, we think about the negative. Uh, Unfortunately, it didn't get to develop the way I think Chris wished it could have, especially with how his career uh, ended up going with WWE. But the candid comments and the candid nature of his comments on the WWE are absolutely uh, mind-blowing. Very refreshing to hear such a uh, a candid and very um, just very honest opinion of how his run went. And I got to say, although Braden Walker is remembered for a negative light, when you talk to Chris Harris about it, you can get inspired by what he shared about the topic and about the character, because obviously, if given the opportunity, he could have taken that bad boy to the moon. Yes, yes, yes. The saga of Braden Walker. It was awesome to be able to get his thoughts on this character. I know I kind of alluded to it before, Chad, and you kind of alluded to it as well. His unbelievably candid comments about that character, about the WWE, about the ECW brand, about how they were pushing those guys, is just off the charts great. I mean, I loved his answer. I I couldn't agree more. He definitely hit the nail on the head. Funny as well, I mean, some of his comments, and I just love how honest and brutally honest he was, quite frankly, because his character kind of was a weird character. You know, he Braden Walker, that name too, does the name really, you know, do, do anything for you? His take on that is just great. I, I just love getting his opinion on that. And then, of course, we had to ask him because they're out there and so many millions of people watch it on YouTube and everything else. Those parody videos, what did he think of those parody videos? Has he seen them? Does he like them? Uh, are they stupid? Are they funny? So th- his take on those videos, are, are, I mean, it's, it's just great. And I personally think those videos are hilarious. You know, they're they're pretty stupid, obviously. And, you know, the time he met Matt Hardy backstage, I mean, we do get into that. And that is pretty funny. But, you know, what does Chris Harris have to say about that? What does Braden Walker himself have to say about that? What he has to say about that 
about his catchphrases, that knock-knock joke and everything else. It's just so funny because uh, I think he's on the same wavelength as a lot of us and a lot of the fans that I know you, Chad, about how stupid it was and how bad it was it really designed to make him look as good as it could make him look and what were their plans for him and what do they want to do with him. So it's just unbelievable to finally you know watch those videos over and over and over and get Chris Harris's opinion on those videos get his opinion on the WB, get his opinion on Braden Walker, the character itself. So sit back and relax. You are really, really going to enjoy this one. It's one of our favorites, the Wildcat, Chris Harris. Chris Harris was episode number 202, and there are many big things to come in the coming weeks for the two-man power trip of wrestling. And we thank Chris Harris so much for being episode number 202 and sharing all these thoughts like we had said about Braden Walker as well as his time in America's Most Wanted and all the things in between and obviously continued success for Chris Harris and all the best. And actually, we'd love to uh, get more into some of those tag teams that John has to sit down and pull out of his uh, rear end and uh, get his individual take on each team and uh, synopsis of every match that he's ever had with them, because I know that would make uh, little John there very, very happy. But also in the coming weeks, we're going to have a really cool promotion coming with a company called Latent Sports Cards. If you can Google them or if you can type them into YouTube and you find out what Latent Sports Cards is all about, there's a really cool promotion that we're going to tie in to WWE Backlash coming with Latent Sports Cards. And if you collect WWE trading cards or WWE memorabilia, this is the absolute promotion that you're going to want to get in on because it is such a unique and such a cool opportunity to own some uh, really exclusive WWE trading card uh, merchandise or trading card memorabilia. And I really think uh, if you are a collector, you will indeed enjoy what we've got on tap with our good friends down in Orlando, Florida at Layton Sports Cards. And we want to thank them for their uh there's soon to be a promotion that we're going to announce, and that's going to be really cool. And John, obviously, you know, we got some really big things in the works, and I think I'll kind of put a cap on that. If everything's uh, going to come to fruition, I think the listening audience is going to love the coming weeks of the two man power trip of wrestling. And obviously, with all that being said, John, why don't you hit him with a little bit of two man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the Wildcat, Chris Harris. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube where you can hear the latest and greatest clips. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're there, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, WWE's lead attorney Jerry McDivitt. Jesse the Body Ventura, the Phenomenal, AJ Styles, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Stan the Lariat Hanson, the Magnificent Don Morocco, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and many, many, many more. Also, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. While you're surfing the net, also, check out Wrestling Inc. Yes, that's WrestlingInc.com. You'll see us on there many times a week. And it is the 
best wrestling site as far as wrestling news and information is concerned. Also, please check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com. You could check out our page on there as well as Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, Buff Bagwell, Tito Santana, and our main man, Kevin Thorne. So please go over to ProWrestlingTees.com and check that out. Also, for our Android listeners, please check out Player FM. And now, without any further ado, the former WWC Tag Team Champion, a former 7-time NWA World Tag Team Champion, you may know him as Braden Walker, but we know him as the Wildcat. Knock, knock. Who's there? Chris Harris. Please enjoy. notice and so you know from then on i i had a really good relationship with vince um during uh, any of his days with tna it's interesting when tna started the tag team division because you know we weren't quite sure where it was going obviously you know they had aj and jerry lynn as a tag team for a while which is which was a great tag team you guys were kind of there i mean the, the backseat boys were there one time you had the hot shots and then you had some weird teams like the johnsons and then the funny team like the ring was press you guys seem to just stand out above all those teams. Then came along James Mitchell and the New Church, and then it was just an unbelievable feud between you guys. What were, you know? What was it about the chemistry between you guys and, and the New Church at that point? I think those guys were trying to they were trying to put everybody wrong as well. Um, all, all those tag teams you mentioned, I think that TNA did a good job focusing more on the tag teams. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to remember back then, but it wasn't there was a lot of focus on, on tag teams at the time and, and wrestling and, of course, meaning WWE. But the fact they wanted to focus on that uh, helped us out. The fact that we faced uh, showing them what we could do, that definitely took notice. So I think it just kind of built the tag team, the tag team situation with TNA and the bigger it got, the more important it got, the more focus we put on the titles. Storm and I have said for years that we, we were just doing what we had learned in our years in the business uh, with the old school tag team. So I think bringing that back to especially newer fans, they were getting excited all over again. They were enjoying tag team wrestling. That's what Storm and I were trying to bring. With the new church, just we, we clicked really well with them, had great chemistry. Slash I'd, I'd known for a while. Brian Lee, I got I got close with during this time. I think I think that trust factor was there. Came four of us became big brawlers. It wasn't just the psychology of the matches that were that were getting over, but we just we knew we could go out and beat the hell out of each other, entertain the people, and come back. And, and we we knew we were all doing each other a favor. So that was the first one we really connected with uh, back in the TNA early days. And uh, we traded the belt for them a couple times as well. It's pretty interesting. I got started, and no one quite knew what AMW was going to become. But then a couple months in, you guys are tag team champs. Did you feel almost vindicated at that point? Like, wow, they're they're giving us the ball, you know, the ball here. They're giving us the tag team titles. I think we did. Um, we knew what those titles meant, and uh, we knew how important they were. And for for them to put those on us, they weren't just 
helping us out there anymore. They they really believed in us, and we were one of the focus points of the company. Um, had meetings with Dixie Carter back then, and she was she even told us how she wanted to build the company around us. It it did. It, it, there was a lot of vindication there, and and um, it was just a good feeling that the company believed in us. Obviously, they they made the right choice and they put the the straps on the right team. As you guys are going along. They kind of do something, uh, you know, a little bit different with Vince Russo doing the, the sex thing, the sports entertainment extreme, and all of a sudden pops out of that is a just a great tag team. But, but actually, you know, three guys, the, the Triple X there, Daniels, Loki, and Skipper, you guys just end up basically proving like not only could you brawl, you guys can have just these amazing, you know, five star matches with Triple X. So can you just talk a little bit about your feud with Sports Entertainment Extreme and your feud with Triple X. Those matches were a lot uh, more technical. We we could with them as you can see in some of our matches but uh, they were all three great wrestlers um once we had passed on from the new church we uh we we uh, paired up with them and it didn't matter which which two of them we were going against the, the chemistry was just there the titles were a big focus back then it other vindication was uh, for them to put us in the, the very first seal cage match in tna that showed, that showed that they really they they still believed in this. All this build up, you know, it wasn't just for for nothing. I mean, we uh, we went out there and we proved it each each night. Match was widely regarded as one of the matches of the year. Is that something to really hang your hat on? It's like, well, you know, this year at uh, this time, this cage match against Triple X was just unbelievable that we we're able to pull off such a match. You know, so many people called it match of the year. It means a lot. That really means a lot. And I I, I like to look back and. Whether I'm watching the match or I look at some of the awards we got, um, it just it it showed that we were we were producing a product that people wanted to see. So even even something as extreme as a cage match, you know, we gave it our all, and and but it, it's it's obvious that TNA felt felt there was something there because a couple of years later they wanted us to do it again. So that was another you know positive feedback that that meant a lot to the the fact that they wanted us to, to refocus it. Um, later days absolutely and, and another interesting thing is about that is bringing in all these other tag teams to face you guys which is kind of you know a big you know, like saying you guys are so great we can bring in anybody and they can have a good match with anybody i mean they brought in uh, simon and swinger at one point they kind of redid that the harris brothers were back uh, they put the three live crew do you guys kind of think like at that point you know you guys are the tag division you know everything kind of runs through you and you're just going to have a good match with everybody did feel that we, we felt that we could have a good match with anybody. It wasn't. It didn't matter who they were putting us with, uh, whether it was multiple times or just a one match deal. Um, we felt like we could have a, ma a good match with anybody. I think we proved technically we could we could hang with anybody. Brawling, we could hang in gimmick matches like the steel cage match or uh, really anything else. Street fight. Or I remember we did a, a the bull rope matches with Simon and Swinger. Um, just, just anything at that point, we were we were confident enough in our abilities that we could we could hang with anybody and make sure that anybody that came in uh, to TNA that could work with us felt like you know they, they would walk away being very happy. And they bring in you know a couple guys like Bobby Roode and Eric Young, who at that point you know not a lot of people knew who they were. Now obviously everyone knows knows who they are because it's a, also a part of uh, WWE NXT right now. But, you know, when they bring in guys like that, do you just kind of you sense that these guys are talented, like a guy like Bobby Roode and a guy like Eric Young? Or are these guys you, you're kind of thinking, oh, we're going to have to carry these guys a little bit? Well, those guys are a good example because we weren't really sure what to think of them. Um, you know, they were bringing in Team Canada at the time. 
And I remember seeing some good X division matches with these guys. That's really all I had to go on. Um, and, you know, we weren't necessarily X division wrestlers, although, you know, when we had to fly, we could, um, Okay, it didn't take long with with guys like Bobby and and Eric. It, it really didn't take long for the chemistry to, to hit there, and you know it it just it felt like each team that we were being brought in with um, confidence level just got better and better because you know we have such great matches, and then that even spanned with those guys. That even carried over during the time we went to uh, Lando, and we start we were about to start doing the paper the uh, in pay-per-views and uh we were getting our tv deals um so those matches kind of carried on so um it was one of those situations where they wanted to make sure they put the best the best tag teams together the best x division wrestlers you know the best top guys for the the world title and, um remember that that we had a, several matches with uh lee and eric during that time and i think that kind of was on another level with the, the whole tag team division at that time no doubt. I mean, AMW, I mean, I just named a bunch of teams. I mean, I left out like Red Shirt Security and guys like that that you guys were able to have just great matches with. You know, just randomly just to have, be able to throw teams together and you guys would have great matches with them. But at one point, they kind of split you off. I, I believe Storm may have gotten hurt, but they kind of split you off. We kind of mentioned it before. You go on a little bit of a singles run. You, know, you beat the likes of Raven. You wrestle in Jeff Jarrett for the NWA world title enjoy you know your little singles run there and did you think maybe it was going to lead to the nwa title and not just an nwa title shot you really remember your tag teams too i have to give it to you you guys are are throwing out names that i haven't thought of in a while so that's that's pretty cool uh yeah storm had a shoulder injury uh so he was kind of on the sidelines for a while and as we know a lot of tag teams can suffer from that one guy even if it's just one guy gets put on the shelf still mean a you know, slowing down the run of a tag team, but they had enough faith in me, and uh, they started putting uh, me with. Uh, you're right. It was Raven. It was AJ, Ron Killings, um, and all that was leading. That was leading to uh, matches with Jeff, and they. Yes, it's very similar to the tag team. They they at the time they had to have enough faith in me to be able to hang with Jeff. Now I obviously wasn't the guy that was carrying that that angle. Um, I was in there with Jeff, and it was for the world title. But the people were eating it up, and uh, they they loved the build that we did. Vince had a lot to, to do with that. He was a big part of that the build up with me. Um, had my matches with Jeff. I know the people were on the edge of their seat, and I was I was that close to in the title. But then we we even started going into that's when the King of the Mountain matches were uh, were formed. Uh, we did four ways. You know, it, it was just. Uh, Look back and uh, and I think it was a that was a really really good run for me and it the thing it did to me is after a couple of years of being in the tag team um, kind of built my confidence all over again that I can still hang as a singles wrestler because I most of my time before America's Most Wanted I was I was single even when I was hired by TNA I thought maybe we were going to do a run in there uh, it didn't go that way it went with the, with the uh, America's Most Wanted but through all that it really it really helped me um, like I still could hang with that. And um, again, that was around the time we were, we were getting ready to go to Orlando and storm was better. Back in what I know they put AJ back in the X. Um, he helped create that division. They put us back together, put us in the division uh, was on top with the world title. So um, 
all that was a really a, a big confidence booster. But did you kind of think that you, you were going to get the NWA title at that point? Because it seemed like that's the build. It kept building and building and building to that. Did you kind of think you were going to get it? Or did you really not really care whether you got it or not? The world title it wasn't just a prop to me. I mean, it was um, that was something that our business was built on. And, you know, you, you carry that, then you're the, you're the core of the company. Um, I will say this. The buildup was so good that it may have even had me fooled. Uh, the way they were building it up and building it up. Um, I had many conversations with, with Vince over this, and he even told me that, you know, the way we were building it, it's, it's got to go in that direction. Um, but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they, they switched it. Um, I don't know how much of a difference that would have made if, if I'd have been world champ, but um, it was still a great run with me and uh, really boosted me up. And, um, you know, I felt like that time would come around again maybe. If it happened the first time, then once, you know, once we, our TV deal and we're uh, really successful pay-per-views, you know, who knows what was going to happen in the future. I thought, you know, it could always come around again. It definitely, to me, it definitely seemed like that's what they were building towards. It just kept building, building. And then obviously, you know, great title match, but Jeff does end up winning, you know, at the match. And then Storm comes back and you guys kind of reform AMW and then kind of just go off on another great run. And obviously, you know, we mentioned the Naturals, obviously, before a couple times. you really enjoy working with them at that point? Because, I mean, they were pretty young or, you know, somewhat new to the business at that point. Did you really enjoy working with them at that point? Yeah, uh, without a doubt. There was uh, actually we're, we're touring the country uh, working with those guys uh, probably before they got their shot in there. Uh, so we were so comfortable working with those guys. We were on the road with them a lot. Um, and we, we just, it, it was kind of like, the, you know, the four of us were all partners um, and out of the ring. So when they got their opportunity, we, yeah, we sure, we enjoyed it. And I loved, I loved that they presented something like that to Andy and Chase because they deserved it. And, uh, and then, like, like you were saying before, it just went on to be such an intense, great feud. Uh, but we always loved working with those guys. There was never any problems. Um, I was happy that they got an opportunity. Then they even got a run with the belts. So it was it, it, it all worked out really good, and we were very happy for them. And, of course, it, we mentioned AJ Styles before, one of the best, still one of the best in wrestling today. Him and Daniels end up forming a team. Did you enjoy feuding with those guys? Because that just is another thing. It's almost like Triple X all over again where you're able to show more of a technical side, and you guys can really show your complete package. My favorite was working with those guys was that was during our heel run. Um, people had believed in us so much. Uh, America's Most Wanted being on top, being several times tag team champions. I don't think anybody ever thought that that was coming. And when we uh, joined up with Jeff, just gave us a whole new life. Um, we had a, a, an opportunity to present ourselves as completely different characters. We had Gail Kim with us at the time. So some of my memories with Aiden and Daniels, they got over so great. You put two of the best together right there. And, you know, matches, I, I, I still remember those type of matches. They were just, they were some of the best we'd ever had. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, that was, that was another one of those magic moments, kind of like you were saying with Triple X, uh, but you add AJ to the mix and it can only get better. Definitely. Those matches were awesome. Absolutely love them. And then, you know, during your heel run, which was pretty cool, uh, I guess they were released from WWE, whatever. Team 3D, the Dudley Boys come in, 
you guys get to show, you know, your brawling side again almost, where, you know, you guys had some vicious, awesome, stiff brawls against Team 3D. What was it like when they came in and you got to, you know, show your muscle against a team like that who was so accomplished in the business? They were one of those that already, like you said, they were, were made it in the business. They done it all. Um, whatever reason, WWE and uh, when TNA picked them up, we kind of used this as we, we used it part of the storyline as well. But we used this as we have another team coming in trying to take our spot, and we're so accomplished that people actually would believe that. And we were still on our heel run, so when they put us together, you know, I think that might have been one of those times where Sam and I were really going to be tested this time, and not just against you know any tag team they throw at us, but against the Dudleys and. I think they would agree. We, uh, we all gelled together really well. Um, those guys are brawlers. You got to expect to be. You, you got to expect to take it. But um, they were really coming in. They were the ones working with the unknown. Um, I'm not sure how much they had known about us, but uh, they were very cool. They they uh, gave us an opportunity to have great matches. Uh, we all did. We've had our table matches with them. We've had our street fights with them. Uh, but that whole time, it just it, it was really clicking, and we were it was a great honor. That's awesome. And then at one point, it was Rhino and the Dudleys. I forget what pay per view was against you guys and Jeff, and you guys just tore the Impact Zone apart. It was awesome. Yeah, we went everywhere in the building on that one. You know, throughout your TNA run, there were so many other tag teams. I mean, you know, like I said before, I just keep naming awesome tag teams. But the James Gang, uh, Road Dog, and Billy Gunn, obviously from the WWF. Big time attitude ever. They're you know, world titles everywhere. Did you like working with an experienced team like Billy and like Road Dog? We loved it. We had so much fun with Billy and Road Dog. It, it was we weren't sure what to expect when they came in. We knew Brian a little bit. He had uh, he had been there for since the Nashville days. And bringing in uh, Billy Gunn, um, it was it was only natural to put him back together again. And once that happened, I mean, here we're, we're working with part of DX. So it was, again, we, uh, we, did, we did a lot of traveling with those guys. So we were working not just on, the, on TV, but we were working all over the country. And all we did was have fun with those guys. It, was just, it was, wasn't about trying to make the match so great. We just wanted to go in, entertain the fans, and have fun. And those guys were two of the best that could do that. Definitely. And then, you know, Eventually, we go along a little bit. And then the big singles run, another big singles run for you. They break up AMW. You guys go into a bit of a blood feud. What was it like when they were actually going to break up the team? Did you want the team to break up at that point, or did you think you guys were you know, going strong and they, that they should have kept AMW together? Oh, I, I think it could have gone either way um, at that time. It could always find more life with AMW. I, I never felt like that, that could go away. Um, but with the idea of splitting us up, again, we go back to, oh, well, okay, now we got to, it's time to, it's, it's another step in the business where we have to prove ourselves. And, and I guess maybe we just thought it was a natural progression. You know, they only keep teams together for so long. We had had a great run. Mm-hmm. When, when, when that was all going on, I, I, it, was, it was, again, one of those things where we knew we were going to feud. So it's like the opportunity that had been offered to us back in the day. We had another opportunity offered to us, and we were willing to to go to any extreme to prove that we could both hang. And thank God we knew each other so well. You know, we, we could get away with doing anything to each other, and we knew that whatever it took, we were going to take that next step. 
you like kind of turning it up a notch too because it became such a good blood feud obviously you know, a lot of brawls a lot of stiff matches cage matches and, and so forth did you like kind of even turning up the dial a little bit more on that feud i have to admit to you man i did um really did i mean we we knew i think everybody knew we could get in there and have some classic matches but now you split a team up like that, and it's got to you got to take it to the next next level. You got to take it extreme, and uh, so that's what we did. And, and but the thing is about doing that is we still still were focused on putting psychology into the matches. It wasn't just a free for all out there with weapons and whatever we could do. We still needed to put some psychology into those matches, and the way people talked about them, I mean, it really it, it kept people glued to it. Was the, you know, like kind of like the, the matches of the night, you knew that when you guys had your few that you guys were going to probably have the best match on, on the show. And, you know, that's always great. But, you know, the feud, I guess, you know, it has to end, unfortunately, because you guys are having great matches, but unfortunately it has to end. But you did get in there in, in your singles run with a lot of great wrestlers, like uh, the Kurt Angles of the world. Did you like, you know, stepping in there and testing yourself against a guy like Kurt, who's, you know, world-renowned, great athlete and, and terrific wrestler? In my opinion, he's... One of the greatest ever, um, and I mean that. I've, I've always thought that, and then actually being in the ring with him, I could, I could see he was. Um, yeah, the next level for me was um, one storm and I was done. They put me in the immediately put me in the world title match, King of the Mountain match, uh, 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 anniversary as it was. Um, I was in the ring, you know, and I was starting to hang with the guys like like Kurt, Snow Joe. AJ was always in there. Kristen was there at the time. And we just, it was a whole other level for me, but I just needed to step it up. Need, needed to um, step up my game and be able to hang with those guys. And we had, again, we had some great matches. And of course, a cool little feud with uh, Abyss, who you definitely had a bit of history with, which was great. Did you like working with Abyss? Because, again, I mean, that's just you going into a completely different style because you know, he's got a little bit of a, you know, the hardcore background. Like you said, we've had history. I don't think people realize just how much history we have. And we broke into the business together, so I've probably wrestled him more times than anybody. Uh, but at this point in his career, yeah, you're right. He did. He stepped it up. He was more into the hardcore. Uh, you got to you got to prepare yourself for that. Um, it, it, it didn't matter any kind of a gimmick match. It was. Um, I I always enjoyed working with him. He was, in my opinion, he was always one of the best. So is today an underrated worker as far as you know in ring and everything but you know his hardcore style is also something great that he you know that he can portray out there with tna as you you know you're getting a good singles run you, you obviously you know you had a good little few with abyss a little few with dustin rhodes at, at one point then all of a sudden kind of a shocker the, the release comes were you surprised at all at your release tna i uh, actually i asked for it um oh okay i didn't know that um Everything did seem to be going good on in, on paper, I guess it was. Um, I don't know if I felt like I was just starting to get lost in the shuffle, man. Uh, but it just came that time where um, there was some contact on the other side, and they acted as if they were very interested. I mean, I kind of believed all the BS, and just the way things were going with TNA, I, it, it was it, that was a that was a crossroad in my career because. Uh, Really had to think about what I wanted to do, what what was good for me, what was a good position for me, and just one of those decisions where I thought, well, you know, I'll never know if I don't try. So um, my contract was up, and I didn't resign, and um, 
and WWE, you know, made an offer, and I kind of jumped on it just to see what would happen. And obviously, with the WWE, I want to get to that in a second, but I just got to give John a hell of a lot of credit for his TNA knowledge because <laughs> that was quite the history walk that we just went on back through the early days of TNA and uh, tip of the cap to the co-host on that one. But getting into... Uh, I'm impressed. I have to say I'm impressed. That was very good. It was pretty damn good. But uh, getting into the WWE at that point, not many people had left TNA and gone to WWE, I really could count on one hand uh, the amount of guys that did jump in the reverse direction from TNA to WWE. And I recall that when you did jump that it was a pretty big deal because it had kind of been rumored around the time of your release that, yes, that's indeed where you were going. And I guess the first question would be was, what were your initial impressions of signing with WWE and obviously with Vince and, and the whole structure they had going on there? Because they were in the midst of a kind of a company change by adding that third brand of ECW and making that a focus of television. Uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, right, it was during a time where you know you kind of have to test the waters. At the you know, even worse than that, the people that had made a jump, um, they never fared too well. So it was always a risky thing thing to do because you know. Didn't know what to expect. You know, the guys that had kind of been there, they didn't didn't fare well, not by any fault of their own. It just that's the way it worked out. So I wasn't sure how I, I mean I could fall into the same trap. Um, so they made a big deal about it when I first when I first came in. Knows um, if it was all crap. Um, so I remember talking to Hunter. I talked to Shawn Michaels, um, Undertaker. I mean, it, it, it seemed like my first early days there. Um, it felt like it was going to go somewhere. Um, they kept me off. They kept me off for a number of months. Um, weren't really doing anything with me at the time. There was no NXT. Um, I feel like if there was, that, that could have made a big difference because I would have had something to strive for NXT. But um, there was no NXT. Uh, I wasn't really featured anywhere. Once it came time that they were ready to put me on TV just felt like it just fell so flat. Uh, they, they weren't putting any effort into it. But to give you an example, Mungs and I both went at the same time. Uh, we both went the same time, had our meetings at the same time. They view his character. They even went to, to his hometown in North Carolina and filmed him. Kind of, I don't know if you remember or not, but kind of using him as a from the streets kind of deal. Right. It was perfect for him. And Ron did an awesome job with that. It was it was really good for him. So by the time they they beat him, he I mean you knew and liked him. Um, simple name change to our truth. That's that's no big deal. Um, he went out. He had the same music, uh, which I understand doesn't happen. That would just happen to be his music. Um, when they when they debuted me, nobody knew who who. Well, they didn't know who Braden Walker was. I think some people would know who who I was. Um, they wanted a name change. I can deal with that. You know, I knew that there was a good chance they were going to use Wildcat. Um, but the way they presented me out there was just kind of like a, a bag of crap. Um, you know, there was there was nothing to give the people a reason to care. And, you know, some of these one-liners they were giving me in Benin was just ridiculous. It, just, it was just a bad combination altogether, man. Um, it's, it's hard to find the words to describe what, what I saw there, um, I wasn't impressed. It was a billion-dollar company that, you know, they didn't know what the hell they were doing from one minute to the next. I remember doing a vignette 
and uh, having to run to the ring, run run to the go the grill position just to walk out. It was just it was just done so unorganized, and it's um, it's hard to believe a company would be like that. But that's that was my experience. That's what I went through, and I always told myself no, no matter what happened, no matter where I went, and I still say this today, even though I'm not full time in the business. I would I would never put myself through anything like that. I am so glad that guys like AJ, um, Ron, I'm so glad they broke the mold. You know, now Samoa Joe's got a great spot. Bobby and Eric are, are there now. I'm just glad that the WWE has finally acknowledged the fact there is life before WWE. You know, these guys were stars in other places in the world. And if you acknowledge that and just gets over so much better sorry if i was long-winded oh that. no not at all no fascinated by it because it's not something we hear too much about at that time um it's funny a lot of people would would wonder if they were watching tna the insiders that i talked to that i, I was friends with they were telling me that they watched tna all the time so i i knew that they knew who i was i knew that they knew who all these other guys were they even asked me about it i can remember uh, one conversation I had where they asked me about AJ, and I put him over like a million dollars. Now, whether AJ was looking to come at that point or not, that's completely up to him, his decision. But uh, he knew who we were, and I think especially America's Most Wanted, they had to know who, who that was. Uh, but for some reason, they just did not want to acknowledge anything, and I think that they had that mentality where I'm not saying they went out of their way to take it all away, but they certainly didn't put much effort into it either. They absolutely did not. And that's a huge difference in almost 10 years that they put no emphasis on a lot of that stuff with the ECW brand that they were trying to build, which evolved into the NXT concept. But one can argue that, okay, in ECW at that time, they didn't know what they wanted to do with the brand. And they were kind of bringing new characters there, like you said, not really built up and just kind of letting them get over on TV. But with you, you were kind of cut from the bottom with some, like you said, not so, uh, I would say, subpar writing. Uh, maybe the creative wasn't what it would be. But when they hand you that kind of creative and they give you those lines, do you look at them and say, like, knock, knock, who's there? Braden Walker, and I'm going to beat your brains. You say in 2007, that's not really what WWE was going for. Is that something that you kind of went back at them at, or you just took it with what it was and, and tried to do what you could with it? I'd have been so much more comfortable if they would have just let me do my own thing. Um, no, they're they're trying to put a vignette together, and they're like, here, say this, say that. You know, I I also want to be a team player. You know, I, I don't. I, this is this is their company, and I got to do what I'm told. So yeah, they're the ones feeding me those lines, and I just said it. I knew when I was saying it that it was garbage. Um, then they take it, take a look at it, they accept it, put it out there, and it and sure enough, it's just you know, it's it's almost it is. It's laughable. I mean, it's just ridiculous that. These people put in these positions to come up with something better than that. Either, either come up with something better or leave it to me. I had a little, I had some experience doing interviews and promos. So let, you know, let me do something like that. But you know, that I couldn't really go in with that attitude. Um, I don't didn't want them thinking I knew better than them. That's just the wrong way to go about it. Um, so I did what they they told me to do, and it was just a disaster from the from the start. Is there somebody that you would go to or somebody that would come to you and say, listen, obviously they're just dropping the ball, you know, every week with you or they're not uh, getting behind it the way they should. 
And is there somebody that could act as, you know, your voice if you didn't want to bring it up to, to somebody in management? Is there somebody that's coming to you and saying, hey, I wish I could do something for you, but unfortunately I'm kind of stuck myself? Honestly, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, what I would call close friends there. I, you kind of walk into it thinking that you do. Um, I remember talking to a few of the guys, and they were, you know, telling me, "Come on over, you need to be over here." You know, they'll they'll, they'll do this, they'll do that. Um, once you get there, it's almost like you know, such a cutthroat business that, you know, they didn't they don't want to do anything to help you. So, we'll say some of the guys I thought were my friends, you know, didn't pan out. Some guys did. I have to send um, it to a, a few different people that really did try to help me out, but. Everybody's trying for themselves. I, I now I did go to some management, and I'm sure. I mean, I don't know how many times people have heard stories about uh, Laurinaitis, You know, just feeding me a bunch of crap. I mean, he, he, he seemed to be on my side at first, but I would go to him and not tell him what's going on, and and you know, what about that? I threw ideas out. I had meetings with the writers. Uh, <laughs> we, we had we had certain gimmicks going. We had certain ideas going to where I thought. Things were things were about to happen, but then I'd get there the next week, and they'd say, "Now nah, we're going a different direction." So it was, I I treaded water. I, I didn't want to push too much. I also was finding out that unless you speak up, they're not going to do anything with you. So I, I would speak up to a point. Uh, maybe I should have more. I'm not sure. It's hard to look back and, and you know, say, "Well, what, what if I'd have done this? What if I'd have done that?" Um, I did what I thought I had to do at the time, and a disaster. And I, I'm not going to blame it all on them. I, you know, it's, it's just it's it's one of those things where you know it just it was one of those things that just did not work out. I'm going to take the other side of the coin, and I'm going to blame them 100% because it was subpar writing, it was lazy writing, and I think some of the people who were writing for ECW at that point have gone on to other positions within pro wrestling, and they haven't really done that much more to help the companies that they would move on to like they were doing in ECW. And when you talk about people might criticize aspects of the character or some of the dialogue, I think that the onus isn't on the performer. I think it's on the creative. And obviously, you know, what came of Braden Walker was, you know, a lot of kind of senseless internet, uh, you know, parody and, and people making fun of, you know, the fact that a character that WWE tried to put over didn't get over, but not because of the performer. But is that something that you get frustrated with? Is that people take that and kind of mock it a little bit and say, well, you know, oh, this was so and so who was portraying the character, but really it was the company that did nothing with it. I tried really hard not to let it get to me. Um, they they did such a great job, uh, and and for me, anybody that knows me knows how passionate I was and am about the business at that time with everything that was going on uh, with what I was dealing with at, at TV, I was dealing with a lot down in, uh, down in Florida, they had the training center down there. Um, just, just say they're, they're master manipulators. They are, they were straight at making me hate business that I was so passionate about. I wanted out so bad. Um, couldn't even do Indies after that because I just, I, I, I just so messed up from, uh, being in that whole, that whole bowl. Um, people are going to say what they want to say. Um, people are going to say that okay, that um, you know we thought Chris Harris was talented, but you know that proved that he wasn't. Um, like yourselves, you know, if you know a little bit more about the business, you know that most of it falls on creative. 
we're, we're just kind of pawns in the business. And uh, that's what I did. I, I went in with the mindset, I'll do what I'm told, and and I'll, no matter what they give me, I'll, I will be able to make it work. And it proved to me that that's not necessarily true, that, you know, if they're not on board with, with giving you a, a little something, it's not going to work out. So um, it's been a long time now, and uh, enough people have heard me talk about it that I guess maybe maybe they'll understand coming from my point of view how different it was than just walking in and and you know, crapping all over the fans and and uh, in that direction. But um, I've rebounded. I'm, I'm I feel better about it. I, like I said, I would never go back. But um, you know, it is what it is. I gave it a shot. It didn't work out. And uh, you know, you just got to move on to the next venture in the in my career. Absolutely. And you mentioned just very briefly there uh, that, you know, that Florida championship wrestling and the training complex that they had, but obviously that evolved into NXT. And what do you think about NXT and how that did become that developmental hub that it is now? Because it's, I mean, it's this absolute machine now of uh, WWE creating their stars from literally step one. Um, And did you see that possibly happening when you were kind of training at that FCW building? No, it wasn't happening back then. Um, They were were bringing as up, uh, but they also these these are guys that they had had molded. These are guys that they had trained. Uh, with somebody like me, I go in, you know, being an outsider. Uh, they just didn't give me the same opportunities. I, I don't know how else to say it. This is the way it was. Um, I think what they've done. I will have to admit, I don't I don't watch NXT. I I can't enough great things about it. Um, I think what they've done with it whoever's in charge, whether it's Hunter or whoever's working down there, I think it's, it's, it's turned out to be such an amazing uh, addition to the company. And like you were saying, they have, they have a chance now to build people. So now, and I can t- tell you from experience on this, when I'm watching a program and they announce a name that I've never heard about or they debut somebody that I've never seen before, the, the people know who they are. That's what makes the difference is that they've given a, given a chance to have a company down there in Florida. I know they're traveling, but uh, the company down there, they, and they have their own TV exposure, and it, that's you know, thankful to the network. It, it, gets, it gets their name and face out there. Yeah, it's, it's so much different now than it was back then. It just uh, there, was, there was nothing to um, give the guys really an opportunity unless they, they wanted to, unless they, like I said, unless they were building it themselves. I mean, when I look around at the guys that were debuting at the time, they were they were guys that that were kind of born from the WWE. Them up, guys like me, an outsider, you know, not so much. Times have definitely changed, you know, in the world of the WWE. But as I start to wind it down here, I was just very curious. You know, with WWE and with the Braden Walker thing, have you ever seen those? You know, those internet videos online that they made. It's kind of a. It's only you know. It's like a little bit of a joke, but you know, they're talking about that time you met Matt Hardy backstage and have you ever seen those videos of you? It's like a, a almost like a, uh, like a little mini, um, I don't even know what, I guess a little mini Titantron for you. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I think I'm pretty sure I did. Um, I'm sure there's more out there that I haven't seen, but, um, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, all I can do is laugh about it. They put something <laughs> together like that. I mean, what, what else, what else are you going to do? I can't get pissed off. You know, people are going to do what they want to do. They got uh, their own minds. Um, yeah, I'm sure they're still out there. I, I, it's been years since I've seen anything like that, but hey, it is what it is, man. 
one of the most interesting things that I wanted to talk to you about is not like a huge part of your career, but it's the first time that I got a chance to, to really see it. Obviously, in the national spotlight, that was your time down in WCW around 2000 or so. How'd you actually get into WCW at that point? I didn't want to be at Nashville as well. Um, Bert Prince had a connection with Terry Taylor, and um, when he was in charge there, they just were doing the whole Russo Bischoff thing, and wherever it came from, the R&B security, I don't know where that came from, but they needed some guys for that. And um, went to Bert, and Bert sent a few guys. A uh, few of us had some matches, a few of us got noticed. Um, that's kind of how that went down. That was, like you said, that was, that was the majority of 2000. Um, I'd had several matches there, and um, definitely got their attention because I wound up being signed by WCW. And at the time, you, know, you get signed by one of the big two. That's kind of how I came up in the business. You know, you're you're, you're gold. You know, they're going to take care of you. Uh, you would you would never think that um, something you get signed like that, and then just months later. The company's out of business. That was unheard of for WCW to go out of business. So it was one of those things I looked back and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Crazy, crazy time. Now, were you ever going to, you know, debut on TV as a character? Because there was a rumor you were going to do like a, like a country gimmick or maybe even a country singer gimmick. Were you going to, you know, debut on, on TV kind of before WCW went, uh, yeah. you know, went to the sale? Yeah. That was all uh, being put together. I was in a country music video. And they were going to use that, you know, it, it really had never been done, um, I can remember. And they were going to put me with Jeff. Um, that was kind of his whole gimmick. And me coming out trying to be the uh, country music star or, or whatever direction they were going to go with it. Um, but, I, again, it was, just, it was one of those things where they were building for it. And then the next week they uh, changed their mind. They thought it was too redneck, too hick. Now keep in mind, this is wrestling we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. And, you know, with WCW and even again in TNA, for whatever reason, you know, many, many years later, you played a, a fake Sting character. Is that kind of just a, a funny thing to kind of just put out there? It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I played a, a, a fake Sting in WCW and, you know, once again in TNA. Believe it or not, they actually put thought into that. Um, um when all that was going on, I think he had a few, but a couple different people. But um, he was taking some time off, so um, instead of him being being there for going to be a little vignette or a promo, they uh, had longer hair than he does now. And but um, he was just looking, and they thought they thought there were so many similarities about us. They came my face up, and even even Sting looked at me. He's like, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. So that was, it was really cool to be able to work with him. But, yeah, they would put me uh, in the rafters. They'd put me in coffins. Uh, they'd put me in the valleys and just whatever whatever kind of little vignette. They needed, you know, just that little subtle little something from Sting. That's when they uh, used me in that. And so, you know, I was working with Jeff back then. And so when TNA came about and they needed something there, they went right, they came right to me. Um, and, they, and a lot of people did bring up the fact that I had done it before, so let's you know let's do it again. And they put me in the rafters. Um, I I did a did a little something with Jeff. I think I got my ass kicked, but um, it was fun. And you know, that whole thing, you know, people still talk about that. You know, just to to be a, a second sting, you know, that's that's going to be one of the highlights in my career. 
really, really you know, awesome stuff. And you know, speaking about highlights of your career, do you have a favorite match or a couple favorite matches that you can just kind of say, you know, you know, do you just absolutely love those matches? Oh man, there's so many that stand out. Um, I know, I know, people would love to see me single it out, but um, our two cage matches with Triple uh, X they have to stand out uh, just for the fact that one was our cage match in TNA and the thing we did in the six side to steal to notice on that uh, my singles run with, with Jeff the King of the Mountain match um, bloody feud with one the Texas death match I mean those, those kind of things I feel like you know really really stood out and it's the ones that people still talk about so I feel like I did justice with um, creating those matches do you have a favorite opponent? Would it be a guy like James Storms that you, that you wrestled uh, you know, a million times in your career? Definitely be somebody like that, yeah. Um, the, the guys that I've wrestled with so much, we can get away with anything. We're so comfortable with, with each other. Um, Storm would be one of those guys. Jeff always, was always like that. Um, many different tag teams. We talked about the Naturals earlier. Um, this, we started out so so early on. Any matches with him were good. So, it, it, yeah, for me, it's it's the guys I'm most comfortable with. It's not necessarily has to be a big star um, because I feel like whatever match we put together is going to be highlighted. So I always felt like no matter what stage we were in our careers, um, the match together, it was, it was it just felt so right. Like we were making magic together. It was really cool. Is there any sort of dream match that you can think of that you weren't able to have during your career that you always wanted to have? Um, yeah, I have to go back to Kurt um, Bangle. I um, felt like at the time I was just starting to break into the singles matches and the world title picture. Um, we did some some uh, band. We did the King of the Mountain match, which was awesome. But I never got my one-on-one match with him, and I, that would have been such a highlight for me because I know we could have torn it up. So um, I'd probably have to say Kurt. Um, there, there's a lot of different guys I wish I could have been in the ring with, but um, he's just a machine, man. I saw him work. Being in the same company really helped because I saw just how much of a professional he really is. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would have loved to have been able to step in the ring with him one-on-one. You can't go wrong with an Olympic gold medalist like Kurt Angle. And obviously, this has been a lot of fun to go back down memory lane. But before we let you go, kind of like to wrap it up in this nice little package of when you look back at your career, whether you are retired for good or whether you're going to come out, maybe do some spot shots. When you look back at your career at the end of the day, what would you say you have left on professional wrestling thus far? Well, the one thing I've taught myself to say is that uh, I'm not going to look back and regret anything. You know, whether there's some changes I would have liked to have made along the way, there's no doubt. I, I feel good about what I've done, you know, com- coming from the very beginning when people said I couldn't do it, I couldn't make it, I wasn't going to be a star, I wasn't going to do anything. Um, the fact that I proved everybody wrong, that that really shows me that I did something. And uh, TNA gave me the great platform to, to, to make a career out of it. Um, look back, and I, I hope that people... Will uh, remember my days from TNA and then not judge me on um, the WWE deal. Um, want to go down in history as you know America's most wanted, being one of the best tag teams there ever was. 
ice a storm a lot for something like that. But um, I just had a great time. And I, you know, the, the way the the business works, I've learned a lot. Um, it's up and downs, back and forth. It's a seesaw. It's a roller coaster. It's everything, man. Um, but how I look at now today, since I've gotten over my hump of uh, all the bad times spending after WWE, I'm taking some time off. Now I now I feel like I'm I'm back in the business enough to where I can enjoy it. And you know, um, yeah, my injuries have piled up, but I'm still walking. So as long as I can go in and entertain the people, put a smile on everybody's face, put a smile on my face, know that I'm really making an impact on the business still, you know, helping some of the younger guys. You know, I have no, I have no regrets, man. And, you know, it's great to be able to talk to guys like you, especially somebody that can go down memory lane like you guys. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you guys you guys are remembering things. that I, I mean, I've had enough concussions. I can't remember everything, and you're, you're bringing it all back to me. So it's, uh, it's really cool, man. So, um and no regrets, and uh, I appreciate guys like you giving me the time to, you know, kind of rehash and go down memory lane. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it's funny because uh, you're definitely not going to have to worry about people not remembering the TNA part, especially with our audience. I mean, we are sticklers for the history, and we definitely will put the emphasis on the TNA run without a doubt. And I know John would love to have you come back for a part two where we could cover matches with uh, the Rainbow Express, the Johnsons, Phi Delta Slam, and the fly, wow. the flying Elvises, but we'll save that for another day. But Chris, this has been a ton of fun. And obviously, if you have anything that you'd like to get the fans out with, if you'd love to tell them where they can find you, please take the floor. It is yours. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, I still stick my face out there once in a while. Um, I'm not, I'm not much of a um, social media guy, but I do have my Twitter. It's AMW Wildcat. Um, so everybody can find me on there if there's any bookings or anything like that find me on there you know i still uh i still enjoy getting out there and you know, seeing all the fans and um having some rehash face to face so um i appreciate you guys giving guys like me a platform to do this too so uh, uh my, my thanks to you and thank you for having me oh it's our pleasure this was a ton of fun and uh really appreciate you putting up with john's uh inner mark coming out and really showing his uh that's a, John. I think you got a little bit of a uh, of a wrestling watching problem there because that was pretty uh, was pretty expansive. But Chris, thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.